Hello, everyone, and welcome back to EpiCentral. This is the first full episode. I'm your host, Maddie Lewis, infectious disease epidemiologist. And in today's episode, I'm going to go over a day in the life of an epidemiologist. Okay, and before I get into it, I just want to say that before the COVID pandemic, literally no one knew what an epidemiologist was. And now it's so surreal because everybody knows what it is. Before the pandemic, I would tell friends or family what I was going to grad school for. They literally thought I was in med school or something. I guess people would hear epidemiology and think it was dermatology. I don't know. Okay, so first off, what is epidemiology? I'm not going to use a formal definition because Google is free and that is boring. I consider epidemiology to be a branch or a specialty within the field of public health. And when I explain to people what public health is, I usually say that in medicine or in healthcare, so like what doctors and nurses do, They're concerned with the health of an individual people, which we call patients, and in public health, we're concerned with the health of populations. Populations as in a specific community, city, region, state, country, etc. For example, at work, a doctor is going to look into a patient's medical chart and wonder, okay, what can we do for this person to improve their health? But an epidemiologist working at CDC is not going to be doing or saying that. They're going to be looking at the entire country and saying, wow, the South had rising gonorrhea cases for the last three years. What can we do to improve the health of this region of the country? Epidemiologists are public health professionals who use data and science to track diseases and the health of populations. Some people call us disease detectives, or I've even heard disease cowboys, because some of us investigate active outbreaks, which is usually the role that we play in movies, like if you've ever seen Contagion. Which, by the way, have y'all seen that movie? I do think it's scary accurate with the COVID pandemic. I mean, it's dramatized or whatever, like tenfold, obviously, but whatever sociologist was helping write that was so right about the fact that there's always going to be that loud minority of anti-science crazies trying to push push their snake oil. That was the only part of the movie that was actually underestimated, I would say. Everything else was hyperbolized, like how fast it would spread, but like the hippies pushing their snake oil stuff were nothing compared to QAnon. Oh, and another part of that movie that was accurate was when that CDC worker found out about the outbreak and the public didn't know about it yet. Hopefully I'm remembering this right. And he like called his daughter and was like, honey, don't ask questions, but I need you to pack up and drive overnight straight to Atlanta because CDC is in Atlanta, if you didn't know. But I thought it was dumb that people got mad at him for that. Like, I would do that too. And I really don't like the idea of keeping any part of public health information secret from the public. I just don't believe in that at all. And I believe in full transparency. I've discovered that not all epis believe in that, though. Some epis do think that certain things should be kept from the public. I don't know. I don't like secrets. That's weird. Anyway, let's talk more about epidemiologists. We keep track of patterns of disease and health. And of course, when I say that, everyone's automatically going to think mainly infectious diseases, but epis do keep track of and research chronic diseases like cancer, mental illness, autoimmune disease, heart disease, obesity, so on and so forth. We also keep track of health in general, so like how many people in the community have health insurance, how many people are pregnant, how many hours do people sleep a night on average, that kind of thing. Like I said, we use data and science to study these, so if you don't want to be a healthcare provider, you don't like blood or fluids or whatever, 
but you're interested in medicine and you happen to like math and data or computer stuff or whatever, definitely consider epidemiology or biostats. However, I must say I have never particularly been interested or good at data, math, computers, and I'm still here, so do what you want to do. Also, you could definitely argue that epidemiology is a unique type of methodology in its own right. That's because in epi, we use the scientific method, but we also have specific systems, equations, and algorithms that we apply so that we know everything is accurate as possible. For example, surveillance epidemiology is what I work in, and it's where we keep track of a specific disease in a specific place. As a staff aureus epi, I collect my data, clean it, and analyze it in a systematic way. By the way, most public health data isn't ready to analyze and publish for a year or two after it's been collected, which is why it was very frustrating when people were screaming at the government and public health for not getting COVID data out fast enough. What people don't realize is we are used to having a year delay on getting that data out. And I think it's very impressive that health departments were able to have these COVID dashboards with real-time COVID data. And yes, they weren't really totally accurate until about two weeks after the date of collection, but man, was it impressive. I was never on the team that worked on those COVID dashboards. I was always on a different team, but I found it so, so impressive, especially with how understaffed and underpaid we all are. I don't know, crazy. Usually, we collect it through forming a relationship with local labs and hospitals and getting on their good side and begging them with food to send me their audits, which we actually do, and I'm doing this week. And then I will systematically sort through each and every person who got that disease and say, yes, this is a case, or no, it's not a case because this person didn't live in the correct area or their labs were inconclusive, or something like that. And then I go through each person's medical chart, which is very juicy and interesting, and I pull out specific information. So their demographics, their past medical history, whether or not they were pregnant, or whatever. This will then get entered into a database, sent to CDC, edited by CDC, sent back to us to edit, and then eventually analyzed. And then to analyze the data, we will use coding software like SAS or R or Python, and then we will use those biostatistics methods to say, okay, well, this is how many people had salmonella each month. And we will make conclusions by saying things like, as expected, cases of salmonella were higher in the summer than all other seasons. So that's just one example of how we use science and math and computer stuff. Uh, but I refuse to talk more about that side of my field because it's boring. And I would never want to subject people to that. Honestly, I have a conspiracy theory that people only like talking about coding because they like the way that people react and think that they're cool for knowing how to code. I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting because I think I'm cool for hating coding. Okay, anyway, let's get into what a real day in the life of an epidemiologist is like. So with doctors and nurses, this question's a bit easier to answer because like 99% of them seem to work in a healthcare facility, like a hospital, doctor's office, or clinic. But with epidemiologists, it totally depends on the job and where you work because our jobs are a bit more broad comparatively. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 
Epidemiologists tend to work in offices or laboratories. Don't believe that webpage. It has a picture of a bunch of people in lab coats looking into microscopes, and that's literally not what we do as epidemiologists at all. I cannot stress that enough. Um, I have never met an epi that worked in a lab. Most of us do not work in labs. Most of us, however, do work in offices and stare at a computer most of the time, which may sound miserable, but I'll explain why it's not and why so many of us love our jobs another time. If you work in research, you might be doing a lot of reading and writing, or you might be keeping track of your data. This is called data management, uh, making sure it's clean. We call that data cleaning, which basically means making sure there's no errors or maybe you're running analyses like survival curves or regressions. Okay, so I don't really have data on the epidemiology profession, but from my personal experience and perspective, it seems like a large amount of epidemiologists work in health departments or research. So I would say at least half of us are doing that kind of stuff every single day. A lot of that is surveillance epidemiology, which I already explained what I do and what that is. There are jobs that are more varied and less heavy on staring at a computer by yourself for most of the day. If you work in clinical research, for example, you might be meeting with patients and saying if they want to be in the research study, or you might be meeting with clinical sites and making sure the study is going smoothly. If you work in consulting, which is where you might want to work if you want to have a much higher salary than I do, then you're probably going to have a lot of meetings all day. What consultants actually do in these meetings really beats me. I truly do not know, but apparently their jobs are kind of stressful. I'm sure there are epidemiologists who work in labs, but honestly, I've never met one. At my job, we visit labs, um, but we also have to transport specimens. So I have to get trained on some lab stuff, but I'm not actually doing the lab stuff. I'm just transporting it. But I still have to learn some lab safety protocols in case I trip and accidentally spill C. diff or something all over myself. I don't know. Hopefully that never happens. Okay, now I'm going to explain what a day in the life looks like for me, and I'm going to get very detailed because I want this podcast to be longer than 15 minutes. So I refuse to wake up to an alarm because they stress me out and they give me anxiety and decrease my sleep quality. So I wake up naturally between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m., which means I go to bed between 11 p.m. and 12 a.m. in order to wake up naturally at that time. So I wake up naturally, usually around 8.30, let's say, and before I open my eyes, I will meditate and think about the things that I'm trying to manifest in my life, which is a big manifesting tip. If anybody here is into manifesting, um, go on my TikTok and tell me, or I don't know, email me or something. I love meditating and praying and manifesting and all of that hippy-dippy stuff. And according to the internet or whatever, impressing your subconscious mind is easier when you're in a drowsy state, which is why it's recommended to do your affirmations or your manifesting or whatever early in the morning as you're waking up or as you're falling asleep. I think most people do it while they're falling asleep, but I do it in the morning because it stresses me out to do it at night. Can you tell I get stressed out very, very easily? Imagine if I had actual problems going on in my life. That would be tragic. And so I don't look at my phone during this time. I try to keep my eyes closed so I can stay in that drowsy state for as long as possible. And I try to do that anywhere for 5 minutes to 30 minutes. Visualizing is also a good idea that also helps things manifest pretty quickly. 
anywho, and then I set an intention for the day. I try to do this every single day because it just makes things so much better. And I always intend for the day to be really good. And then if I have plans after work or something, I will affirm that those plans are going to go well and that it's just going to be a good day. And almost every day is a good day, especially when I set the intention. For example, I have to work in person once a week and I used to absolutely dread it. And one day I just stopped dreading it. And the same day that I stopped dreading it was the day that I woke up and decided today is going to be a good day. I might have to go into work, which is not my favorite thing, but today is going to be excellent and it's going to be an amazing day. And then ever since then, I started doing that every single morning and setting that intention. And of course, I do that on Thursdays when I have to go into work. Now those days are not miserable at all. They're actually pretty enjoyable. I don't hate going into work anymore. Which just goes to show so much of life is about our mindset. And that's the one thing that we have control over. So you might as well be positive. Easy for me to say because I have a lot of blessings and, and privileges in this life. But I still think this is a helpful tip to do. So if you are someone with poor body image or just poor self-confidence, definitely try waking up and just complimenting yourself and really believing in what you're saying and see how your mindset will change within a matter of a couple weeks. But anyway, this is not a podcast about manifesting. After I'm done with that, I check my phone, usually wake up to no notifications because I'm single, but sometimes one of my besties will text me, love you Haley, love you Katie, love you mom. I sometimes get on TikTok or whatever, probably not good for my brain, actually definitely not good for my brain, but I get on anyway and ruin my last existing brain cells. And then whenever 9 o'clock rolls around, I will log into my computer and get started on work. So I already explained what a surveillance epidemiologist does. We keep track of diseases, whatever, whatever, but this is specifically what I do. So the first thing I do in the morning is I log into my Gmail and check my email, check my Gchat, make sure nobody's trying to message me about something. And then usually if no one's messaged me, which... They usually don't, honestly, which, good, don't message me. Then I will pull out my other work laptop and I will start doing typically data entry or something else that's pretty mindless because I want to do something that doesn't require too much brain power at 9am. I use two laptops, one because I'm pretty sure I can't get on my Gmail on my work laptop, which doesn't make any sense, but um, also because I like to watch things while I work. And yes, my employer could be listening to this, and I do not care because I'm sure they know I do this. I love to watch Netflix, YouTube, listen to podcasts, or whatever on my other laptop while I work. Because, you know, after you get trained on things like data entry or other mindless tasks, then you really don't need that full brain power, and you can definitely listen and watch things while you do it. So I mainly watch YouTube or watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch, or sometimes Outer Banks. And I'll usually do that for the first hour or two of work, um, again, while my brain is still kind of waking up, and then I can do tasks that are a bit more intensive. There's no point in trying to even explain the exact tasks that I do that are more intensive, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say that they usually involve logging into a hospital system's medical chart website 
and looking at patient medical charts and then taking out information from those medical charts. And when I read medical charts, I definitely can't really watch or listen to things because it involves a lot of reading and you can't really read and listen at the same time. Plus, I have to try to decode all of this medical language and these doctors and nurses notes, and that's kind of hard to do for me still. I really don't know all those medical acronyms. Like, I know all the basics, but there's a lot of really weird ones. So I'll do that for a couple hours. At some point, I eat lunch. I usually just go ahead and cook it, or I like to make something easy for lunch. So I'll, like, microwave dumplings from Trader Joe's, make lentil soup, eat an Impossible Burger. I don't know. It just depends on the day. Then in the early afternoon, I will continue doing whatever I was doing, move on to other tasks. And I really don't have that many meetings every week. I usually only have two meetings a week, sometimes three, which is really, really nice. I would hate to be in a job, honestly, that requires a lot of meetings. The only good thing about some of those jobs is like, sometimes you have so many meetings that you actually never do actual work, which really confuses me. Like, what do those people even do? Like, public health consultants, like, wh what do y'all do? I really don't know. I have a lot of friends who do it, but I don't get it. I don't know. They work, like, way too hard, though. I don't like working that hard. I really don't. I like how my job is chill and repetitive and honestly kind of boring. I mean, I don't really find it boring because looking at medical charts is far from boring, in my opinion. I see the funkiest, weirdest stuff in those charts, let me tell you. But I can't specify exactly what I see, but anything that you can really imagine is in those medical charts and pictures of it. And of course, I only look at things that are relevant to my job, but when you're doing that, you will scroll past just about everything, so it's not my fault. Anyway, I like how my job is boring, like I was saying, because I like to watch Netflix and YouTube and stuff while I work. It just makes my quality of life so much higher. I cannot imagine, first of all, I can't imagine going into work every day, like going in to the office nine to five every day could not be me. I got this job and um, one of the reasons I wanted it was because they were like, we are never going back fully in person. And I was like, yes, I could not do that. And also I just can't imagine working that hard at work what if I'm screwing myself over in the future by saying this? I don't know. I don't really care. I don't like hard jobs. I don't want to work a hard job, at least at this point in my life. Maybe later down the road, if I got really interested in a specific job and knew it was harder work, maybe, maybe I'd be willing to do the hard work, which don't get me wrong. I am a hard worker. Obviously, I made it through my biology degree, and that takes an extreme amount of hard work and dedication. So I already know I'm a hard worker. I don't really care. But it's like I put in all this work to get where I am. And now that I'm here, like, I just want to chill. And of course, I want to advance in my career at some point and move up and whatever. But that doesn't mean I have to kill myself over a job. Also, my job is important. And we definitely save a lot, a lot of lives by doing the work that we do. But the lives that we do save are usually through the means of prevention. I don't actually have anyone's life in my hands, like a doctor or a nurse would. Which means that if I go to work and I'm in a bad mindset and I go a little bit slower than usual, then no one's going to die or get hurt because of it. So if you're a chill person and you want a chill, low-stress life and you're deciding between a healthcare job and public health, 
then I hope this is helpful to you because truly, if you want a chill life, do not go to medical school. There is nothing chill about medical school or about being a doctor or a resident. There is literally nothing chill about it. You will have the least chill life. Now, of course, become a doctor if you want to become a doctor, but if you want a chill life and you're interested in medicine, consider epidemiology. It's honestly pretty chill. Now, a lot of us went through a lot of hard work again to get where we're at, so the journey isn't necessarily the most chill, but it kind of can be because you don't have to major in biology or chemistry in order to become an epidemiologist. But anyway, moving on with my day, I'll take a couple breaks during the day, of course, and then by 5.30, I'm wrapping up. And honestly, by this time, I'm not that exhausted. Because again, my job is pretty chill. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I do all of this from bed. My therapist used to yell at me for working in bed, which I know is bad for you. It's not only bad for your sleep health and your mental health, um, but it's also bad for your posture. However, I just do not care. It's one of those things where a cigarette smoker knows that the cigarettes are going to kill them, but they just keep smoking anyway. It's like I can't stop working from bed. It's too comfortable. And I do have a desk, yes, um, but it is used exclusively for doing my hair, makeup, and skincare routine. So basically it's a vanity, not an actual working desk. But I just like my lifestyle too much, I can't change. So around 5.30, I might go run some errands, or hang out with a friend, or just do something. I'm on a rec kickball team on Mondays. It's about to end, but I've been doing that all fall, and it's been so fun. So if you're a young professional and you need more things to do, then please join a rec team of some sort. Rec sports are so fun as an adult, especially something like kickball, because it's not that much running. I don't know. Or if you played a sport, like if you played soccer, volleyball in high school and you haven't played since, Go pick up a rec league. It is so fun. And it's great exercise. I do yoga once a week right now. It used to be twice, but then I joined kickball. And yoga is super fun. It's kind of expensive, though. It's like $12 a class. But I also recommend doing something like that. I just recommend having hobbies. Because what else are you going to do after work if you don't have hobbies? Like, you can hang out with friends a couple times a week, but it's not like you're going to do that every day. And then a couple times a week, I just stay at home. And I'll watch TV with my roommate uh, on certain days of the week. The Bachelor will be on. I'll watch that with my roommate or with friends. And then by the time 10.30 comes around, I'm usually going to take a shower, doing my skincare routine, and then hopping on TikTok for too many hours. And then I go to sleep. And during the week, I will also make TikToks, usually right after work at around 5.30. I need to be more consistent with that, but whatever. So that's my day. And on the weekends, I just do whatever I want. Usually I make plans with friends. And I play pickup soccer on Sundays, which is also super fun. So as you can tell, I live a pretty low-stress, chill lifestyle. I'm definitely very blessed and privileged that I have a job that doesn't stress me out and doesn't exhaust me, but also pays enough so that I can live decently. Okay, so let's talk work environment. 
Prior to the pandemic, most Eppies worked in offices, but now a large amount of us seem to still be working from home or doing hybrid work, and honestly, I think it's going to stay that way for quite some time. There just isn't the need for most of us to go back in office, and I think it would be a smart move for employers to be extremely flexible. Also, epidemiologists work all over the country and all over the world. You can find us in rural parts of the U.S. where there might be really small county health departments or regional health departments. You can find us in, I assume, every city in the U.S., but the bigger the city and the more funding dollars, the more of us you'll find in one place. Atlanta is considered the public health capital of the U.S. and even the world, and that's where the CDC and other very large public health organizations are centrally located. Other big cities are also great for finding public health or epi jobs. People on TikTok always ask me about the job market and how to get a job because everyone is scared, right, to go get a master's degree that no one knew about until 2020. And I know when I was deciding on doing epi, I was really scared myself. I I was scared I wouldn't find a job and the public health subreddit did not help. I swear that subreddit has every single unemployed epidemiologist on there. Anyway, my advice for finding a job in epidemiology is this. Be willing to go where the jobs are located. If you get your master's degree and are only applying in Kansas City, for example, and you're unlucky in finding your dream job, it's probably because you're looking in Kansas City. No offense to Kansas City. You are way less likely to run into this issue if you apply broadly in big cities. The major cities for public health are New York City, Boston, Atlanta, LA, Chicago, and DC. Basically, any other big city will have a lot of jobs too, but I do think that these are the main ones, mainly because of population, but also Atlanta and DC are just hubs for government and private work, and Boston is huge in research and private work. And of course, I have to mention, you can totally work abroad either for an American organization or an international organization. The World Health Organization is located in Geneva, Switzerland. But I've never met an epi who worked there. Maybe that's because I'm not cool enough or something. I don't know. Do they hire epis? Couldn't tell you. I'm pretty sure CDC also has sites in China and Africa, but I also don't know... Well, is that true? Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I also don't know if they hire epis either, so don't listen to me. Well, CDC hires epis, but I don't know about their international sites. I don't know how it works. Anyway, um, exposing myself for not knowing things. Doctors Without Borders does hire epidemiologists. I do know this. And some people like to do global health work. Um, you don't necessarily have to be an epidemiologist to do global health. Most of that public health work seems to be community project type stuff. And it's usually in sub-Saharan Africa and South America, but you can do that anywhere. Okay, and before I wrap this up, I know some people might wonder how much we get paid. I strongly believe that EPIs and all public health workers are pretty badly underpaid for the importance of our work. The median salary of epidemiologists, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, is about $74,000, which seems about right to me. I've personally seen starting salaries for EPIs vary between $39,000 a year, yes, that low, to around $90,000 a year. The $39,000 a year is shocking because this job does require a master's degree. But keep in mind, this is a government job. 
that I saw in a very underfunded southern state. I just graduated this past May in 2021, and most of my friends and I who work in government or in government-funded work make between $48,000 to $60,000 a year for our starting salaries, the average being probably about 55 to 60 k which is what I think everybody coming out of an EPI program can reasonably expect to make. And I would say the $70,000 to $90,000 a year range is more for people who are either in a coding or biostatistics heavy job or in consulting. Again, that's a starting salary, which these jobs, from what I've personally seen, tend to be a bit more challenging or demanding, but I truly believe you can manifest whatever life you want, so don't let me scare you. But just keep in mind, if I'm working 9 to 5, making 55k, and you're working 9 to 7, making 65k, we're making the same amount of money. I didn't do the math, but that's what I think. Okay, well, that's enough for now. Thank you for listening to this first real episode of Epicentral. I'm so excited to try out this longer form of communication. I'll be making many more episodes, of course, on how to become an epidemiologist and school tips and different jobs and so much more. So everybody, please go follow me on TikTok again under at maddie.epidemiologist and have a great week. Bye.